0: This morning we're going to continue talking about about faithful witness. And Ruth, if you go to the next slide, I want us to to read this together. This is sort of our um, description of what we mean for us to be as a church called to be a faithful witness. So if you just read this with me, that God calls us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world in the city of Fort Wayne into every other place the lord sends the holy spirit sends us So we had an opportunity, we are uh, giving you an opportunity today to hear a bit from some of our missionaries, both some that are here in Fort Wayne as well as overseas, to talk about the way that they do this in their context. And we just wanted you to see their faces today, Um, uh, this week and next week, we're going to talk a little bit about how we can be supporting uh, the mission of, of the missionaries. That Part of what it means for us to be a faithful witness is to to come alongside and to support those who have been specifically sent, uh, to, to different places. And so we wanted you to be able to see their faces and also to hear how they are going about, uh, witnessing, how they are going about being a faithful witness in their, in their own context. Um, so, so throughout our time in this series, um, where we've been focusing on faithful witness, we, we have emphasized this idea that every single one of us is called to be a witness. That every single follower of Jesus is called to be a witness. And we've been emphasizing the idea that we do this like, as we go. That, that in your daily life, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you find yourself, we are looking for opportunities to, uh, to bear the name of Jesus. We haven't talked about this a lot, but the truth is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a witness to him whether you mean to be or not. And the question is not whether you're going to be a witness, but whether you're going to be a good one or a bad one. <laughs> whether you're going to, uh, to use your words and take your opportunities or not. Uh, but you are always, if you bear the name of Jesus, you are always, wherever you go, a witness to him. And so we've been emphasizing that over the first half of this, this time of, of, uh, of looking at our call to be a faithful witness, this idea that we are to be witnesses as we go, and that, that in our words, in our lifestyle, the way that we live life together as the church, all of these um, parts of our life are a witness to the world of who Jesus is. But there's also this other side of the coin, too. And there's this idea, not simply that we are witnesses as we go and that we take opportunities to come that come to us, but also this idea that we see in scriptures that we are sent. That we are sent. That we are sent on a mission from God. And it's true that every day in our lives we are called to be a witness That as we go about in these different areas of our life that God is bringing us people and we need to take those opportunities. But what we want to consider the next couple of weeks is the way in which God sends people to specific people into specific places to respond to specific hurts and specific brokenness in the world in order to bring the gospel there. You hear the difference between those two things? I mean, they, they kind of certainly intermingle together and they overlap. Um, but just want us to think about this idea that God has sent us into the world and He calls specific people to go to specific places to be a witness for Him. And so last week, Simps preached through um, um, about the early church and how they gave us models and examples in the book of Acts and also in the letters. We read about people who were set aside by God for a specific purpose and that the church recognized and understood that these are people who are set aside to go to this specific place to minister to these specific people and to bring the gospel to these specific places. And so we heard about, um, in Acts chapter 13, how uh, the first missionaries that were sent out were Paul and Barnabas who were sent out from the church to go and to, uh, to bear witness to the gospel among the Gentiles throughout the Roman world. And so they, the, the church acknowledged and recognized Paul and Barnabas have this specific calling on their life. And so the church laid their hands on them. They, they, they affirmed the call that Paul and Barnabas had on them. And then they sent them out with prayer and encouragement and with resources. And we see throughout Paul's letter how important it was for him to hear back from the church or how, how much of a blessing it was for him when the churches sent people to come and help him with a specific task or just to simply to come and encourage him, how important that was for Paul and how, um, how that touched his heart and encouraged him in his ministry to have the rest of the church coming alongside him in whatever way that they could. And part of our calling here at Broadway Christian is to be a faithful witness by supporting and praying for and offering resources to men and to women and to youth and to kids who are sent by God. So today we're going to focus on this idea of mission, this idea of mission that we are being sent to a particular place for a particular purpose. Now, all human beings have, have a problem. In the first chapters of the Bible, in Genesis 1 and 2, it tells us that our creator lovingly created us in his image, and he created us in order to be in relationship with him, in order to know him. We were made for communion with God. But in Genesis chapter 3, that relationship between humanity and God is broken when Adam and Eve sin and they choose to follow the word of the serpent rather than the word of God in their life. And that communion that we were created for is broken. There's a rupture between human beings and God. And after this happens, we read in in Genesis chapter 3 that God comes into the garden. And as he's walking in the garden, do you remember what question he asks of Adam and Eve? Where are you? Where are you? I think it's maybe the saddest sentence in the Bible. Uh, the creator who had just made these human beings in his image, made them for, cre- for relationship with him, for communion with him, is now walking in the garden saying, where did you go? Where are you? I don't think that when God asked this question that he was asking for their physical location. I think he he knew where they were, where whatever tree they were hiding behind. He wasn't talking about their location on the map. He was talking about this relationship that had been broken. Where are you, Adam and Eve? You were made for communion. You were made for a relationship with me, but you're not here with me anymore. Where are you? All of the problems that we experience as human beings in the world violence, greed, division, war, racism, depression, addiction, loneliness all of those problems that we experience, the root of all of those the very root of all of those is this separation from god that's been caused by our disobedience this is the source of all human hurt and human problems and so when you are flipping through the newspaper every day or you're watching um, the news or, or on social media and you see the problems that are going on in the world remember that the root of all of that is our disobedience And what I would like for you to do for a moment is to consider the pain and the brokenness of of the world. And I just want you to get specific for a moment. I would like for you to consider what is the, the pain of our world or the brokenness of our world that really moves your heart. When you see something, it's something that causes you to stop. to to perhaps cry, to to perhaps want to do something. Maybe sometimes you want to do something, but you don't know what to do. For every single one of us, I think there are different things that that break our hearts for what we see in the world. And I'd just like for you to take a minute in silence and to just consider what is it in our world that breaks your heart? What part of our, our broken experience of of God and the way that that manifests itself in our relationships and in our, in our governments and our nations and our world, um, how that brings about violence and crime or whatever it may be. Just consider what it is, what is it that moves your heart? Just want to say very clearly that the root of that problem, of that brokenness, whatever it is, that in some way, somewhere, it's caused by, by human disobedience to God. It's living out of line, out of step with how he has called us to live as individuals and as a human community. And these problems, we need to say first, are not problems that we can solve on our own. They are problems that require a divine solution. And what is needed for each one of us is reconciliation with God. That's where the, the solution to these problems begin, is reconciliation with God. And that is a work that only God can do. And thanks be to God, He has done it in Christ. So if you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, 21 and 22, I want to talk about the work that God has done in order to bring about this reconciling work. And then as Colossians 1, continues on we we hear about the way that paul then feels called to join in with what god is already doing and to be a part of the body of christ in his own ministry and so let's begin with uh, verses 21 and 22 and in these verses it talks about what god has done in order to begin to heal this division between um, uh, himself and humanity so colossians chapter 1 verses 21 and 22 Paul writes, once you were alienated from God, separated from him, broken from him, that that rupture, that's what he's describing here. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Every one of us shares in this separation from God that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. Every single one of us, I would suggest, have this part of our heart where we are hearing God say, where are you? Where are you? And Paul reminds us in these verses that through Jesus, we can be found by him that when we place our our faith and our trust in the work that he has done to forgive us of these sins and this evil behavior, that we can then be found and be in his presence again. So he's no longer asking, where are you? And so for then those who have been found, Paul describes the way that he sees himself as a minister of this good news that people can be found and reconciled to God. And this is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, 24 and 25. He says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Ruth, if you could go to the next slide for me. Paul says something here in verse 24 that, um, you know, there's sometimes we read the Bible and we just kind of gloss over it. You know, we've, maybe we've read it before or we just don't quite get it. And I just want to pause here at verse 24 and consider what Paul says um, in Colossians 1.24. He says this, Now I rejoice in what has what suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. This sounds like, I don't know, like heresy to me, (laughs) that Paul would say... That he in himself is filling up something that's lacking in regard to what Jesus has already done. Do you think that's a strange thing for him to say? I think it's really strange. So how is it that Paul can say this? What, What does Paul mean? When Paul says that he fills up what is lacking, Paul does not mean to suggest that there was something deficient in Christ's sufferings or something more that needed to be done. What he is saying is that there are still places where Christ's sufferings have not yet taken effect. That there are places in the world that do not yet know this message of reconciliation, that people who are broken and apart from God can be reconciled back to God. That message has not yet taken effect throughout the world. And so Paul saw it as his message to go And in his own flesh, in his own work, in his own suffering, to continue out the ministry of Jesus to those that he was ministering to. What is lacking in Christ's afflictions is not that Jesus' death was somehow not enough to save the whole world. It's that there's still people who haven't yet heard and who have not yet experienced the reconciling work that God offers through Jesus. And we see in these verses that Paul sees his own ministry as as an extension of the ministry of Christ. That what Jesus did and accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection, it continues to be played out in his own life and in his own ministry. And we see very seriously in this passage and throughout Paul's letters how seriously Paul takes his identity in Christ. In Paul's letters, we hear him say statements like this I bear on my body the marks of Christ. Or I want to know Christ in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Or I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul did not believe that he was only simply called to imitate Christ, which is certainly a calling of the follower of Jesus. But they, we've actually been become part of the body of Christ. That our work in the world, when it is done in faith, when it is done in the power of the Spirit, in a mysterious way, is also Christ's work. Our suffering, when we suffer for the sake of the gospel, is Christ's suffering. When we suffer, Christ is suffering along with us. In Paul's own story, at the, the very beginning of his ministry, before his ministry, he was persecuting the church. He was the one who gave orders to uh, to to kill Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. And when Paul was on the the road to Damascus, a light came, a blinding light came, and he heard the words, "Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me?" Paul had as far as we know, had nothing to do with Jesus's crucifixion. But here he shows up on the road and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, Saul, when you were persecuting Stephen, you were persecuting me. We are the body of Christ in the world. And I want to suggest to you today that this is a helpful illustration or metaphor to talk about the different roles that we play, but it's also describing a reality that the church has been filled with the Spirit and that is sent to be the presence of Christ to people around us. It is more than a, a nice word picture, it is a reality that we are the body of Christ in the world. And we are called to, as Jesus did, then enter into the hurting and broken places of our world, knowing that we've been filled with the Spirit and called to those places. To call people and remind people who they are as people made in God's image and people who are bought with a price and people who were made for communion and relationship with God. We are called to go in that in that power and in that understanding that we are the hands and feet and body of Christ in the world as as a reality and not just as a nice idea or a picture. That he is with us and that he is empowering us for that ministry, that our ministry is an extension of the ministry of Jesus himself, and that when we suffer, when we suffer in our ministry, whatever that may be, that Christ is suffering along with us. And so we're called to enter into these hurting and broken people and remind people of their, their identity, remind them of who they are as people made in God's image. I just had a—I um, just remembered this morning as I was kind of finishing um, a sermon prep this morning. Do you remember the movie Hook in the 90s? It was one of my, my favorite movies as a kid movie hook robin williams um it begins with him as as an older man i think he's like some sort of accountant or some sort of a lawyer investor you know like he like moves people's money or something like that okay but he was actually peter pan and he's forgotten because he's grown up and he's grown old and so through a set of circumstances they go back to neverland and there's this great scene where robin williams peter pan is is there and he's old but he's there with the lost boys and uh, there's a, a lost boy named Rufio, and Rufio has taken control of the lost boys. And there's this question here. Tinkerbell says, this is Peter Pan, and nobody believes them. And Rufio draws a line in the sand. You know, whoever's with me, come over here. Or whoever's with this old guy, this old fat guy, you can go over there. Okay, and so all the, all the kids, all the lost boys run over, and they're with Rufio because he's their leader. But there's one little boy. he stays behind and peter pan he's 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 on his knees and the little boy comes and he begins to touch peter pan's face and he kind of like removes the wrinkles and pushes his eyes back and kind of makes him grin a little bit and then he's there and he finds him and he says there you are peter I think what the broken and hurting people around us need, what they need, they have forgotten. They have forgotten that they are made in the image of God and that they were made for relationship with him. They need us to touch them and to somehow remind them of who they are to remind them that they are made in God's image, that they were bought with a price, that they were made for relationship with their creator. So today we've had a chance to hear from some of our missionaries about the ways that they are to use the image, sitting with people and touching their faces and reminding them of who they are. People who are working with immigrants and with with college students and with secular folks in Hungary, uh, with Native Americans on the reservations in New Mexico and Arizona. And I think it's our calling to do the same with the broken and hurting people around us. And so I, I want to simply ask you about your own, your own work, your own calling, the way that you have been sent. And so what I want you to do is to bring back to mind that place of hurt, hurt, or that place of brokenness in the world that you considered and talked about a few minutes ago. I want to suggest to you that that feeling of having your heart moved is a very important clue as to understanding where you are sent, what your mission is. You have things on your heart that just aren't on mine. The person sitting next to you sees things that you don't see, understands the world in a way that you don't understand, sees the brokenness in the world and the sin in the world and the hurt of the world in a way that you don't. And so each one of us, I suggest to you, have been given this this hurt in our heart as a clue to where he may be sending us to go. Where do you have a deep longing in your heart to see things made right? Where do you have a longing to see the reconciling work of Jesus come about? Where do you want to see healing happen, a healing that only Jesus can bring? For Paul in his life, he... Look back at his, his circumstances, and he realized that the, the ways that God had prepared him before he came to know Jesus prepared him for a specific mission. And God gave Paul a heart for Gentile people, people who were outside of the nation of Israel, and said, "These people need to be connected to Jesus in some way." And so Paul dedicated his life and was sent by God to travel throughout the Gentile world, the Roman world, and to set up churches in all of the major cities throughout the Roman Empire, so that the body of Christ could take root in each of those cities. That was his calling, something that moved his heart, and that God then sent him on a mission to address. And so we've been encouraging you over the last few weeks in your, in your small groups and then here on Sunday mornings is to consider your own personal biblical mandate. What scripture verses or what biblical stories have been important to you? And what I would like for you to do this week is to consider— these two things. First of all, what is the, the hurt or the brokenness in the world that moves your heart? And how does that connect with these scriptures or these stories of Jesus' life or these Old Testament stories? How do those two things intersect and connect? And begin to ask God to show you, how might you be calling me to go and to Be a part of the work that you want to do in this broken part of our world. Does that make sense? To take God's words to you, his very specific words that have been important to you, and then also trust trust that God's been a part of all of that, that you don't just remember that memory verse on accident while you've forgotten all the others, that there's something there for you. To trust that God's a part of that and to trust that also that God's given you this burden, this longing to see things made right. And to begin to ask where the scriptures and your own uh, broken heart, where those two things come, come together. And so I just want to take uh, a few minutes to pray for you and to really ask the question, um, where are you and I being sent? Where is it, what is God's mission for each one of us? and to ask that he would show that to us, begin to show that to us today if he is not already. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for, for each one of us that we, whether it's the first time or whether we've known your calling in our life for, for decades, Lord, that we that we would be faithful to respond to your call. Lord, wherever, wherever we are, Lord, I, I pray for each person here in whatever circumstance they find themselves in that Lord that they would see where you're calling them to go and to to be people who sit with people and to remind them of who they are as people made in God's image and who have been reconciled to God made for communion with you Lord I pray for anyone in the room today who may be feeling a a call to full-time mission work somewhere Lord, if you are are doing that, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to say yes to that. Lord, I pray that we would take very seriously your work in our life, that you have have spoken to us through your word, and you have spoken to us by your spirit through breaking our heart for things that break yours. Lord, I, I pray that you would lead us into places where we can be your ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, people who fill up in our own flesh what is still lacking in regard to the work that you've done and that you want to do. Lord, I pray that we would take seriously our calling to be the body of Christ, to be the presence of Jesus to people. Lord, I pray that you would make us faithful witnesses here in the city of Fort Wayne into any and every other place that the Holy Spirit sends us amen amen for each one